Well, if you are ready for a word from the Lord, I need you to type in the comments, I'm ready. Type it in the comments right now. I'm ready for a word. I don't know about you, but I'm so eager to hear what God is saying. This word has been personally ministering to me, so I hope that it is some encouragement to you. But before we get into that, I just want us to, to pause and invite the spirit of God as we open up his word to reveal some things to us, to, to reveal to us what he would have for us to hear. So will you lift up your hands and bow your heads right now? God in heaven, we acknowledge you. We ask that you would come and be present now. We know that you're here, but we ask God, we invite you in so that you will open up the word to us, that it would cause our hearts to burn, that it would cause our hearts to be lit on fire, God, that we will be able to follow after you in every single area of our lives. God, we know that there can't be a fire in anyone's place if there's an iceberg behind this metaphorical figurative pulpit. So God, would you light me on fire first? As you have transformed my heart by this word, I pray, God, that others' hearts would be transformed as well. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer in whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, why don't you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 today. And as you know, over the past two months, we have been talking about this theme, pressure season pressure season. Why don't you type that one more time in the comments? Pressure S-Z-N, pressure season. And we've been talking about this because when I stepped away a few months ago, one of the things that the Lord was communicating to me in that brief time of rest and that brief time of recharging is that my people will experience a greater pressure than before. But if they are prepared, then they will come out better than they were before. How many of you are still believing that you're going to come out better, that you're going to come out of this pandemic season, post-hurricane, 2020, all the things that have been happening that we consider to be perhaps unexpected and unacceptable, we're still going to come out better. And so we've been talking about this concept of pressure season from the text or from the book of 2 Corinthians and Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church. Well, today is our final sermon in our pressure season series. We'll be doing some follow-up things creatively you'll see over the next few weeks. But I am excited to talk about this because it is a very important passage for us to excavate. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 has a crucial lesson for us to, to learn and think through. And we are answering this core question, where is our hope? Where is our hope? Now, what we recognize is that in the midst of 2020, in the midst of all the things that we have encountered, it's been quite the year. It's been a year that has overwhelmed us. It's been a year that's pressured us on every side, internally, locally, nationally, and externally as well. And as we have gone through all these things, what we have seen around is that hope is dropping. Numerous polls tell us that in the midst of the coronavirus, in the midst of battling all the things that are happening around us, in the midst of systemic racism, as we mentioned earlier, in the midst of a tense political and election cycle, people are beginning to slowly but surely lose hope. Now, the reality is everyone has hope. That's why my question wasn't, do you have hope? The question is, where is your hope? Because everyone has hope in something, let's be honest. Everyone has confidence and an expectation that something will change. Everyone has hope in something or someone. The question is, where is our hope? 
you know, the famed South African anti-apartheid activist Desmond Tutu, he said, hope is being able to see that there is light despite all the darkness. Let me read that again. Hope is, is being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness. And why is this important? Why am I talking about this crucial question? Where is your hope? Because pressure season will always test your hope. Pressure season will always test your hope. Pressure season will put pressure around your external reality, around the things that you are facing, but it will touch the very core of your soul and your being and ask the question, where is your hope? And wherever you say your hope is, pressure season will test it. Pressure season will put pressure on the object of our hope. And so the question is, where does our hope come from and where is our hope? Paul talks about this to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 1. It's interesting because there are three movements in the text. The first movement, Paul says, we know. We know. Look at 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1. He says, for, here's this, this phrase, we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Paul, the first thing he says is we know. Type that in the comments. I know. I know. This touches on what we believe, what you believe, what I believe. You have to understand here that there's some interesting contrasts that are happening in this text. An interesting contrast because Paul is contrasting something that he talked about in the previous chapter. You must remember that when the original biblical writers of the manuscript were writing, they didn't have chapter and verse designations. That was just added in by translators to help us, to give us a little bit of a, of a glimpse into how to properly navigate the scriptures. But you have to take it in context. And what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is, For our light momentary troubles, verse 17, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Verse 18 says this, watch. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul is here doing two contrasts. He's doing a contrast between the seen and the unseen. And then in verse one of second Corinthians chapter five, he's doing a contrast between the earthly tent versus the eternal house, the seen and the unseen and the earthly tent versus the eternal house. So Paul says, I fix my eyes. First contrast, not on what is seen, not on what I can see and touch tangibly, but on what is unseen. Well, why, Paul? Because what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. So this is how I know that if my earthly tent seen is destroyed, then my eternal house is waiting for me unseen. So in other words, my faith and my hope is only as good as what I put foundation in. My faith is only as good as its foundation. Paul, I believe, is trying to communicate to us this very central truth. You ready? Don't put confidence in what's temporary. <laughs> Don't put confidence in what's temporary. Someone needs to write that on a sticky note and put that on your mirror. Someone needs to put that on the inside of your car so that as you're driving to work or you're going on your commute, you can see this. Don't put confidence in what's temporary. The foundation for what I believe, my hope, 
is rooted not in what I can see, not in what is temporary, not in the earthly tent, but in the eternal house, not in what is seen and temporary, but what is unseen and eternal. See, we have to be careful, church, about basing how we live and our faith, and most importantly here in this context, what we know on what we can see. Do you realize that your eyes can deceive you? Do you realize that as the mirrors on your car say that objects in the mirror are actually closer than what they appear? In other words, there is something called an optical illusion that can make you think that you're seeing something that you're not seeing at all. Be careful about trusting your eyes in this season. Be careful about basing what you know on what you can physically see. Why? Because the tent is temporary. I said the tent is temporary. Here Paul is talking about our bodies. He's talking about the reality that we will fade away. We will all waste away. And our earthly tent, if it is destroyed, if what is seen, if what is temporary is destroyed, we have something unseen and eternal that's waiting for us. If you had a tent, if you've ever been camping, and I've only been camping one time, it was for a fraternity initiation in college. You know, I don't play the outdoors. I don't do the woods. But for this fraternity initiation, we had a camp outside overnight. And as we camped outside, I realized that this tent, while it was a protection and a covering, it wasn't very sturdy. I knew this because my frat brothers, they played some tricks on us, right? As we pledges were trying to make sure that we obeyed and abided by all their rules, the, the frat brothers would, would come and, and try to bump the tent. They would make some animal noises to make us think that there were wild animals out there. They would try to you know, get us rattled and get us knocked off so that we would break the code, which was you can't step outside of the tent. And the reality is I, I liked the fact that we had some covering so we weren't just sleeping outdoors, but the reality is if I had to live permanently in that tent, I would be in trouble. If I had to live through Hurricane Sally in that tent, I would be in trouble. And what most of us don't realize is that we can't place weight on anything that isn't permanent and that isn't eternal. Be careful about putting confidence in temporary things. Get this, just because it stands now doesn't mean that it can withstand what comes next. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. You need to hear this. Just because it stands now doesn't mean it can withstand what comes next. Now, some of you need to apply this in theory. You need to apply this in practice outside of just your bodies, outside of just the spiritual reality. You need to ask the question, just because it stands now, can it withstand what comes next? Ask that question about your relationships. Just because the relationship works now, can it withstand what comes next? Just because your situation stands now, can it withstand what comes next? Just because your job is reliable now, can it withstand a season and a period of lack? Just because your relationship, it seems like you're having a great time right now, can it withstand the, the turbulent trials of deception and betrayal? Just because you're in a situation now doesn't necessarily mean you will be able to withstand what comes next. That's why we put root, we put faith, we put hope in what is eternal, in what is permanent, in what is set, in what is unseen. Why don't we put our faith in the earthly tent? Because it wasn't built to last. 
It wasn't built to last. Your bodies aren't built to last. Your situation, certain things that you have placed faith in, it's not built to last. So we should not be shocked when our hope is shaken in a pressure season. That's why we must pledge as a church. We must pledge as people who are following after Jesus to put confidence in the things that are worthy of it. Put confidence in the things that are worth putting your hope in. Put hope in the things that are worth, that have a sure foundation. Paul says, if the earthly tent is destroyed, I know I have confidence enough to know that there's an eternal home waiting for me. And that needs to be someone's encouragement today, that the thing that you place hope in, the things that you derive hope in, the way that you know you have confidence in what you believe, is that you have based your life on eternity, not the earthly. Someone needs to hear that because you've been building and thinking through earthly things. You've been building and thinking through the earthly tent, the earthly house, the earthly accoutrements of life. But you need to hear that it is what you do for Christ that lasts. It is the eternal home that is ultimately going to stand. And this earthly tent can all pass away. It can go in a second church. But I need you to hear this, that your earthly, your eternal home is not going anywhere. There is a place that God has prepared for you that will never fade away. That's why the first movement, Paul says, we know. How do we know? Well, we know because there is an eternal home. Now, the second movement is very interesting here because go down here to verses two through four, because the second movement is not we know. The second movement is we groan. Very interesting here. Notice verses two through four. Meanwhile, Paul says, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, here's that, that phrase again, we groan and are burdened. Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now, I have to tell you guys something. When I took a look at this passage, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Why did it rub me the wrong way? Because Paul was talking a really confident game. You know, Paul has, is the guy who has it all together. He wrote two thirds of the New Testament. Paul has set it up. He says, I know Paul is talking a great hope game. And then he goes from we know in verse one to we groan in verse two. And in particular, verse four, we groan and are burdened. So here he's not talking about we know from the standpoint of what I believe. Now he's talking about we groan from the standpoint of what we're going through. How many of y'all know that no matter how confident you are, how faith-filled you are, how excited you are, how confident you are in your current situation, that what you go through in life can cause you to groan sometimes. What you go through in life can cause you to be burdened sometimes. What you go through in life can cause you to cry sometimes. And, you know, it's interesting to me because one of the things that I see and, and the reason why it bothered me the first time I read it is because we have a dichotomy in the American church. And the dichotomy in the American church is that we must have either faith or fear, faith or fear. You know, when the coronavirus was was starting to spread and was becoming a pandemic, one of the things that people said is faith over fear. Right. And I get the concept, I get the principle. It's true, 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear. We're not supposed to make an altar to fear. We're not supposed to be filled with fear. Jesus even says in multiple occasions, 
fear not talking to the disciples. But the truth of the matter is, sometimes we can take that to an extreme. Sometimes we can act as though because we have faith, we never are supposed to feel fearful or we're never supposed to acknowledge our emotions because we're, we have so much faith that we cannot do that. We can't enter into the emotion of fear and true believers would never do that. That's what some of us think. True believers would never get afraid. True believers would never get scared. True believers would never be uncertain. And if the reality is true, even the strongest, most faith-filled believers, when those Hurricane Sally winds were whipping around their house, I guarantee you, even the strongest, most faith-filled believers were looking around just asking God the question, are you still there protecting me? Because the situations of life can cause us to groan and be burdened. Just because I'm filled with faith doesn't mean I never have fear. Just because I'm filled with faith and filled with hope doesn't mean I never look around and have some nervousness or uncertainty. Just because I'm filled with faith doesn't mean that I don't acknowledge my human emotions. Listen, I know, but even if I know, I can still feel. Let me run that back. I know, but even if I know, I can still feel. I don't ignore pain as though it's not real. I acknowledge pain as though it has a purpose, as though it is pointing me to something, as though it matters. Can I just throw this out there to you? That your feelings matter. Your emotions matter. They're not everything. They're not all that we base our lives on. But they're not something to be discarded. They're not something to throw away. They're not something to look the other way and ignore. But our feelings do actually matter. And how do they matter? You might be asking. I'm here to tell you that I believe feelings can focus us on our future. Let me say that again. Feelings can focus us on our future. Notice here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it's interesting that Paul goes on in the next verse, verse five, to say, now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, get this, who has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is come. So here God introduces the spirit as a glimpse into the future, as a guarantee of what is to come, so that while we groan, while we are burdened, while we feel emotions, the spirit is there to bear with us. <laughs> You're not getting it. You have to hear me because every emotion I feel is a glimpse ahead into the future. It focuses me on the future, which is promised to be something that is better than my present. I'm going to say it again. Your future is better than your present. How do I know? Because the spirit of God is on the inside of me. This is why, church, it is important for us to acknowledge the feelings, the grief, the sorrow, the lament that we feel when it comes to injustice around us. It is important for us to acknowledge that. Why? Not so that we can wallow in that, but because it shows us that this world is not as it should be. And one day the truly just judge will come and he will do right in the earth and set things in order. And so I look ahead to the future knowing that it's going to be better than my present. Somebody needs to hear that just because you're going through right now doesn't mean you're destined to always go through. Just because you're struggling right now doesn't mean you're destined to always struggle. Just because it seems like I'm getting ready to get up and, and run around this room. Just because it seems like you're failing right 
right now doesn't mean you will always be failing, but the blessed hope of the end times, the blessed hope is we serve a God who makes our future better than our present. See, we groan, but even when we groan, we recognize that our feelings can focus us on our future. What I feel can show me what I'm looking forward to. That's why it's important to acknowledge your feelings. You know, this past week we've had multiple funerals in the church. And I want you to continue to be praying for the Randall family as Minister Wayne Randall has passed away. I want you to continue to be praying for the Peters family as uh, Minister Francis Peters' daughter passed away, went on to be with the Lord. And the idea here in both of these funerals, it's so fascinating. Even though there is pain and sorrow, there is a pointing ahead. There is a see you later, as someone has said. There is an idea that this isn't all that there is. We haven't seen the last of our loved ones. And what a blessing it is that even in the midst of tears, that our tears are not just tears of sorrow and sadness, but they are tears of joyful anticipation. We might not be able to see it right now, but the joyful anticipation is this is not all there is. This, this earth is not everything, that there is a life beyond this life, that even as I groan, even as I am burdened, as Paul says, I'm looking ahead, I'm looking forward to what will come. And God has promised he'll wipe away every tear from your eye. He's promised that he'll bottle up those tears. He promised that there will be no more death, no more sickness, no more pain. Aren't you glad that you can feel? Aren't you glad that God didn't tell you don't cry, but he says, I'll wipe the tears away. So there are two movements here that we've looked at. Paul first says, we know. Secondly, he says, we groan. And then thirdly, I love this. He says, we walk. We know, we groan, and we walk. Look at verse 6 in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. How do you know this, Paul? For we walk by faith, not by sight. It's a common phrase, right? It's something that's very popular in the context of Scripture. We walk by faith and not by sight, and we say this, and we talk about it aspirationally when we need it. But the reality is where we're going shapes how we walk. Let me say that again. Where we're going shapes how we walk. Paul says, because I know I'm going to an eternal home and that place is unseen versus this earthly tent, which is seen and temporary, that eternal home causes me to walk and live by faith. Do you have faith today, church? Do you have hopeful confidence today, church? If people ask what faith is, faith is trust. It is expectation. Hebrews 11, 1 tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Again, the unseen realm causes us to push through pressure season because we have hope in something that is greater than what we can see. Hope in something that is greater than what we know. Hope in something that is greater than the temporary moments of life. And so we have confidence enough to say we walk by faith. We walk differently. We have confident trust and expectation. We know that faith has saved us. Ephesians 2 tells us that for by grace we have been saved through faith. And that is not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. So we know that faith has saved us. But we also need to realize that even as we're walking through the earthly tent of life, the earthly limitations of our situation, that we're still walking by faith. You know, growing up, one of the first 
cultural phrases that I learned. You know, you learn these cultural phrases. And one of the first cultural phrases, you can blame my parents for this, is this little phrase, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, the first time I heard that, it was about, I think, uh, you know, when I was cleaning up my room and I said I was going to clean up my room, it was probably because I wanted to hang with my friends or get something out of my parents. And I said, Mom, Dad, I'll clean up my room. I'll make sure that the house is spotless. You won't even be able to find a speck of dirt in there. You know what they say, right? I'll believe it when I see it. I'm like, what do you mean you'll believe it? Your track record has shown me that I don't have confidence in you delivering what you claim. And I started to use that phrase with my friends, right? Your friends tell you something, I'll believe it when I see it. Your teacher says something, think in your head, I'll believe it when I see it. All these promises are made to you and because of the unreliability of people, because of their track record, because of what you've been through, what do you say? I'll believe it when I see it. You see, as a believer, that's different from walking by faith. Walking by faith is actually antithetical to that. As a believer, as Christians, we don't say, I'll believe it when I see it. You know what we say? I'll believe it before I see it. (laughs) Oh, somebody caught that. As Christians, we say, I'll believe it before I see it. Why? How can you believe it before you see it? Because we have confidence in the God that we serve. We have confidence in the God who parted the seas. We have confidence in the God who shut the mouths of lions. We have confidence in the God who gave David perfect aim to kill the giant Goliath. We have confidence in the God who died on a cross and rose again three days later. We have confidence that the same God is on our side today. And we have confidence that even if we do not see it, we walk by faith. Why? Because we don't have to see it to believe it. We don't have to see it to depend on God. We don't have to see it to place our trust and our hope in the right place. I hope there are at least five people who are watching right now who recognize who you are and whose you are and you're willing to say, even if I don't see the manifestation of it in this life, even if I can't fathom it with my natural eyes, even if I can't see it in my earthly tent, I know there's an eternal home. I know that I can believe it before I see it. That's where our hope should be. And in the midst of pressure season, church, I hope that you realize that the earthly tent is being flipped up and down. The earthly tent is being shaken. The earthly tent one day will be destroyed. But there is an eternal home. There is an eternal home that is unseen, that is permanent, that will never change. And my invitation in pressure season, as you continue to navigate through the rest of this year, is trust and hope in the right thing. Hope not in the things that you can see. Hope even in spite of your groaning, but walk by faith and not by sight. Why? You don't have to believe it to see it. You don't have to. You know the character of God. And the same God who came through before will come through right now. Father, we thank you that we have confidence in you. We thank you that through your son shed blood, we can acknowledge that you are the greatest place that we can put our hope in. You're the greatest place that we can center ourselves and our foundation upon. We know that if this earthly tent is destroyed, God, we see the destruction around us. We see the pain that we experience. We see all the things and the upheaval of life financially, personally, socially, culturally, in every area of our government. God, we see the upheaval, but we know that even if the earthly tent, the body is destroyed, that there's an eternal home waiting for us that will be clothed heavenly 
We'll have heavenly clothes. We'll no longer be metaphorically naked. We'll no longer be alone, but we will be with you. And even if we groan and are burdened, God, there's some people who are burdened. There's some people who are groaning. There's some people who are crying. There's some people who are feeling all the things today. I pray that you would help them realize that their feelings are legitimate, that their emotions matter that they're not something to be discarded, but, but God, they're not our final authority. We recognize that we still walk confidently because even through our tears, we can still walk by faith. Even through our pain, we can still live by faith. And I thank you, God, that you give us the power to do so. I pray for those who are uncertain today. I pray for those who don't know you personally. I pray that they would depend and lean and put all hope today. Make that decision right now in the name of Jesus to lean and depend upon you, the only reliable source of our hope. I thank you, God. I thank you for pressure season, what you've taught us in this series. Now, as we continue to navigate, I pray that we would not forget that even if we're facing greater pressure than we ever have before, we're still going to come out better in Jesus name. Amen and amen. I hope that you enjoyed today's word. And once again, if you have not had the opportunity to give, you can give in three easy, succinct ways. You can go to ndccpensacola.org and click offerings. You can go to the Tithely app and type in New Dimensions Christian Center to set up a one-time or recurring gift. Or you can mail it in P.O. Box 6400, Pensacola, Florida 32503. For those who missed it earlier, don't forget that on Tuesday night, we're going to start a brand new series. That's going to be our midweek Bible study night for the next eight weeks. And then we're also going to have Talk Back Thursday, which starts this Thursday at 7 o'clock p.m. 7 o'clock p.m. on Tuesday, 7 o'clock p.m. on Thursday. I'm so excited to be continuing to grow with you. And if you want to join a group, go down to the pinned comment, or you can actually go to NDCC Pensacola on our Facebook page or Instagram and you can find the group jot form, fill out just three to four questions, and you can join a group. Well, guys, next week we have something special prepared for you. I'm so excited for what God is going to do right here at NDCC Pensacola, where our destiny is helping you to unlock your destiny. I pray that this week is filled with hope as you continue to walk by faith. I love you so much. I'll see you next week.